Hello and welcome to the Pod People's Mid-Year Catch-Up Spectacular. Boy, did we biff it, y'all. Oh, man. (laughs) We we fucked this one up. (laughs) Right good. Yeah, we fucked this one up really bad. I mean, Uh, in fairness, we covered most of the notable horror releases for the year, so it was kind of slim pickings. I mean, with the the options we had, I think we made made good choices. Yeah, we probably picked the three most interesting movies we haven't covered. Truly the good, the bad, and the ugly here. The bad, the bad, and the... The bad? the bad and the okay speaking of the bad the bad and the okay i'm matisse van rossum i'm cleve hi (laughs) i'm cleveland mosier how's it going i'm uh ben sheets hello recapping last week we got through the mid-year predictions in a shocking twist so good Tease and i tied while cleve is one point behind yeah, right so down to the wire still quite a close match here because of that we each picked a movie to cover before i get the uh glasses pushing while well, actually people <clears throat> about these movies i know technically these movies came out in 27 uh, 2018 but they didn't get a u.s release until 2019 so we're counting them yeah yeah like, deal with it. I'd yeah. say I say they all count as 2019 films. Don't at me. Fight me. So we covered Lords of Chaos, Greta, and uh, The Perfection. We sure did. Yeah, I guess let's start with Lords of Chaos. Okay, let's do it. Lords of Chaos was my pick. It is the uh, biopic about the Norwegian black metal scene, the creation of Norwegian black metal by Euronymous, and his ultimate murder by Varg Vikernes. Uh, It's based on the music journalism book, Lords of Chaos, that just tells a very straight-up-and-down telling of that whole story. Uh, And there's also a, uh, I think, 2011 documentary called Until the Light Light Takes Takes Us that I have seen many times and I'm a big fan of. The film is uh, directed by uh, Jonas Ackerlund, who uh, is a Swedish filmmaker who was actually in the black metal scene around that era. He left a little bit earlier. He was the uh, rehearsal drummer for Bathory for a while, and he directed a lot of uh, music videos in the the black metal scene as well. But uh, he got out of the scene when everybody started to sort of take it over the top and really seriously and start doing crazy shit, which is what this movie is about. Um, I, I always have found this story really, really interesting as a metal fan, too. I went into this movie with really high expectations uh, and I think I was largely let down. A big, a big thing to note early on is that this film was also produced by Vice, the album, or distributed, distributed, distributed by Vice, um, probably in the U.S. Because um, yeah. I mean, I guess it is a it's it is an English language film, but. Uh, it's a, a Scandinavian production, I believe. Yeah. Uh, it stars Rory Culkin as uh, Euronymous and um, Emery Cohen as Varg Vikernes. My best summation of this movie is that it gets the timeline right, like it hits the major events that happened, but I think it 
sort of misses the point and it seems like it's trying to cram too much into one movie so that nothing that happens feels particularly meaningful it all feels kind of shallow i will agree that they tried to pack too much in however i do appreciate the tone it tries to take with it sure um it's kind of more comedy comical than you'd expect and i think that suits the material kind of well, actually. It's it gives a it a needed choice. bit of levity. Yeah, when you're when you're portraying such like reprehensible characters, going out of your way to take the wind out of their sails and to make them look more like just comedic, regular, like young guys, and not in a way that idolizes them, but in a way that is is deprecating, is a good call. Humanizing, not to a sympathetic degree, but to a, a realist degree. Is, a, is not a bad choice to make, and so that you don't feel like this is a biopic idolizing these dumb fuck murderers and arsonists. On top of that, too, it would be so easy to make a dour, super self-serious mm-hmm. version of this movie. Which I will say, and it does do that at times. And at times, it, and it, yes. And that's, well, that's when I found it to drop However, However, like, I think... Looking at these people who take themselves self-seriously... Okay, yeah, see, that's, that's the is, thing. Like, all of this stuff, like happened and i think that there that it ha- it needs to be approached with a certain degree of seriousness because like people did die and shit happened and i don't think that it's right to make it complete like yeah bring that much levity bring into it too much levity to make it seem like a joke hey, however absolutely. what i do think is important is that it does need to be portrayed how much these people were really just sort of like loser outcast characters and not like the evil celebrities that they saw themselves as. Like, I think you have to find the balance between, like, making their aspiration for that serious, but showing it in a realistic light where there's a a sort of division of it being, like, sort of laughably absurd, but also, also, like, it's kind of sad. I I actually think they do that pretty well in this movie. There's a few times where it gets a little over the top in one direction or the other. But I think of examples like there's a I think scene, they strike an okay there's a balance, scene yeah. where Varg is interviewed by a local paper where he's uh, admitting yes, to yeah. arson. Good. That's a great and scene. They yeah. uh, set up this interview space, put up a big Nazi flag. Yeah, we see him going to all of like these extremes to like make himself seem like a like a spooky evil character like he's lighting all the candles and he's doing poses with like his knives and shit i i thought that was that scene was pretty well done i think this i think this movie for the most part strikes a good balance the problem is that it's so shallow on the actual character development that there's no sort of gravitas to anything. I don't know. So I, I, think I, that- I feel like we get a decent amount with uh, Euronymous and Varg. Yeah, I, uh, there, there are a few moments that kind of took the wind out of my sails when Euronymous has that dream sequence. Oh, that about was, dead? Yeah, that, yeah, that was, I hated. That was rough. It was, like, it was, that it was drawn comical. out. It plays out over a good... 
you know, like few minutes. It's it's very long and overdone. It's and like it's, a two minute hyper, music video almost, hyper stylized like, and not in a good way. It's like '90s music video kind of kind of stuff. Well, that that's the thing is like they it. it wasn't even like black metal esque. That, that's the thing. Like structurally, each of the three acts of the film tell about like very specific periods of the story like the first act you have like the relationship between Euronymous and dead which culminates with dead killing himself then in the middle it's like the the foundation of the black circle and like trying and and helvet and uh starting the burning of the churches and that culminates with uh faust stabbing the guy to death in the park and that ends the second act, and the third act is very much about, like, Euronymous and Vargs falling apart, Euronymous being like, this has gotten to be too much, I don't really want this anymore, and uh, Varg eventually uh, killing him. Um, so I think it's structured well in the sense that, like, these are three distinct eras, and that each act ends with an act of horrific violence. Yeah, and they're they're portrayed pretty well. And the violence like, is portrayed pretty well. Yeah, well my, my problem is, is that the movie is an hour and a half long, and 30-ish minutes is not enough to get into the details of uh, of any of these things, I think. Like, I think that they're so little of uh Euronymous and dead and like the founding of mayhem in that first act that there's no real emotional weight to it when he kills himself well when it's all like it's all done with like pasted over narration yes that was my least favorite that thing is Euronymous's Euronymous's narration frames, over the whole thing yeah it frames the film in it's a corny very it, artificial manner it has that tropey biopic pratfall yes yeah. um, and i mean it starts with that too with the well, based it, on truth based on lies based uh, on whatever what, the fuck it was based like, on truth lies and what really and, happened oh, and what really happened yeah. and it's done in like edgy lettering and I, was, I i appreciate the sentiment of that yeah but because a lot delivery. of a lot of what we know about these events is hearsay from the people who are involved but but that being actual, said, yeah. that being said is that that is the dumbest, like, edgelordiest way to say yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was really corny. And I hate how, like, Euronymous's, like, opening narration, like, he introduces himself... Uh, you know, I'm uh, Austin Arseth, like, uh, yeah, if you, if, I, also known as Euronymous, I'm the most evil person in the world, I, I created Norwegian black metal, this is my story, and it doesn't end well. I just, I wanted to fucking gag. Yeah, the, like, the it one felt thing like I, a, a fucking, um, oh, who did, like, Snatch and Lockstock, and, it felt like a Guy, Guy Ritchie Guy movie. Ritchie. Yeah. The one like, thing I liked about that, though, is they immediately cut to his nice Swedish, er, yes, er, Norwegian, Norwegian family. That's one thing I wish there was more in this movie of, because you get glimpses of it here and there, is the juxtaposition yes. between pop culture in Scandinavia at the time, you know, the Eurovision type of stuff, and the the black metal well, that's, scene that they're that's, in. Like, that created black metal. Like, black metal was created as, like, an antithesis to that, and I think that there's so little emphasis on that in the movie and that's a great segue into another one of my biggest problems is that there is virtually no feature on the music here now oh, yeah. they they were I, I did i did do some research after 
And uh, what, what we had been hearing was that they were not able to get the rights to any of the music uh, from any of these bands. And that is largely true, but they were able to actually get a couple of Mayhem tracks in the movie. Not all of the tracks. I thought so. A few, I, yes. They, a few they did, familiar. They did get a couple of Mayhem tracks in there, but there's very little emphasis on the actual black metal. Like, there's the... The one scene where they're doing a concert and, like, Dead is, like, cutting open his wrists and stuff on stage. For what I was reading, the reason they decided to not make the music a point, uh, Jonas Ackerlin said that black metal is, like, unpleasant to listen to if you don't love it or if you're not familiar what? with it. So they didn't want to put people off the movie by having too much black metal What's in a movie it. about black metal? Right, like, who is going into this movie well, to watch it without having some interest in you. that? What? Yeah, no, it's the dumbest thing. Ah. And it really, that makes me really, really frustrated. Yeah. It's like, oh no, the music itself is too off-putting, so I want to tell the story about the people who are doing it, but not make it about the music. And that's like, that's some really fucking dumb shit, because like, the music was everything. Well, on one hand, I will say, like, I don't have a problem with approaching biopics where it's more about the people and the human relationships than about the music itself. Sure. The thing about it is I don't think they develop the characters enough to justify that, you know? Is that I, I think like that, they kinda hit that middle ground. I think in this in this case, like yeah, I, I don't I don't need like Bohemian Rhapsody style scenes of God, of no. just like them performing their songs intercut with like a few character scenes. I don't need that, but I do think that so much of like understanding these people and like the lens that they saw the world through and the reason they behaved the way they did is so linked to the music they were creating and how they were creating that as a counter to the very sort of like stiff upstanding norwegian protestant culture that they were like surrounded by and that they were rejected by i just think that it's so hard to tell this story and make people care about it without like putting more of an emphasis on the music well, you know i haven't seen where the light takes us and i've never listened to any mayhem so I have an outsider perspective on this going in. I've, I've listened to Burzum, but I've never I've never heard any of, of Mayhem's work. And for me, watching this film, it was a real bummer to constantly hear your main character say, I created Norwegian black metal, and me and to and, hear and very have the little. credits roll and still not know specifically the sound he's referring to when he says that. Like, not having, like, an identifier. Until the Light Takes Us is really good about that, because they, they really talk about, like how Euronymous, like, created that specific sound. I just, it's, I, I see that as yeah. such a failure. If you're going to do a biopic about a musician and someone not being familiar with the music still doesn't have a grasp on the music by the end of it, you fucked up. And the film did that. And I think another... I, I don't, I couldn't tell you what Mayhem's sound is. And I certainly couldn't tell you any of, or any of their circles, like, specific sounds. Like, what made those people, like, individuals and what made them valuable to the to the circle, like, musically, which is how they vetted them. But you don't get any of that. And it's fucking dumb. Like, I, and it, it really, it bothered me. Because, like, I, 
I, yeah, I, I was hoping to learn more about Mayhem and to, to get a sense of their sound watching this film, and I got none. I think another another good thing in that vein, too, that I think they do a bad job of, there's there's this whole, like, collection of the characters that we always see them, like, hanging out together, like, at the record store and shit, and all their, like, spiked black leather jackets and shit like that. And the way the movie addresses it, like, this just seems like a bunch of, like, a group of bums that are just, like, hanging out around this band but like all of those people that we are seeing are all members of other notable black metal bands that whole circle was like other than mayhem and burzum you know you had like dark throne and immortal and emperor and like all of these people that we're seeing are supposed to be members of those bands but they 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 just seem to brush that off i actually don't mind that much just because like you could get really confusing trying to go into all that stuff. I don't think you need to go you deeply. Know, you don't it. need to go deeply into it, but make it seem that they're not just bums like hanging around Euronymous's shop. Because like, this I, is... I thought they were until you just said that. Just right. Now. That's my point. For somebody who knows that going into it, it's like okay, you can guess and like. Like you, you know that Faust is the guy who stabs the 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 dude to death in the park, and that he's uh, that he was the I think the bass player for Dark Throne for a little while. Like that's that's important. That while Euronymous was like the center of it while he was alive, and that Mayhem was the center of it, that it was like a notable movement and not just like punks super fanning over like one band. You know, all of all of my problems with this, I think could largely be solved by telling this story in, like, a miniseries format. Maybe I'm just hot off of that because of how much I love Chernobyl and, like, seeing how a miniseries is such a good format for, like, semi-long-form storytelling. I think that Lords of Chaos would be really well-situated over, like, six episodes or so. Take those those 30-minute chunks of the movie that are, like, each of the acts and turn them into a two-episode arc of the miniseries. Yeah, I... Honestly, like, I don't think I had as much problem with this movie as you guys did. Like, I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. I've watched a lot of biopics lately. One notable one I watched recently was The Dirt, which was the really bad. One. It was... Uh, yeah, it was the Motley Crue biopic. But it was interesting because I find Motley Crue's music to be really bad. Yeah, I don't. And like the, I don't so like watching their approach to that storytelling, mostly through the characters without going into the music, kind of reminded me of this in a way, where it's more about the characters than the the music. You know, we get scenes of like the metal crew at like bars and whatnot yeah and they're they're talking about dark serious things and in the background you see all these normal people well yeah they they all frequent like the same like falafel shop at one point you even see Euronymous like in there by himself and he like addresses the owner by name he's like turn the fucking tv up like i want to see what's on the news so yeah it's funny to see these super self-serious like quote-unquote evil black metal guys hanging out the falafel shop i wish i, they had I like that stuff, i like all honestly. of that stuff like i think that that i think that that's fine it's just hard for me to give a shit about these characters even knowing the story and having like read the that book and like seen until the light takes us it's like i had such a hard time connecting to the events that were taking place because i ha already had like a strong connection to them from a different medium and i just didn't think that 
this particular thing did that story justice. I, I think that there's some good things about it. I didn't hate this movie by any means. I think it, it let me down more than anything because I wanted so much more from it. Uh, a couple things I did really like, I thought the cinematography was pretty decent. I thought the stylization was good, um, especially in that scene when Varg and Euronymous burned down the church together for the first time. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was really visually striking. I also liked the way that the violence was handled in this movie because I thought it was really stark and uh, did not shy away from from its subject matter, uh, sort of in the same way that like Jeremy Saulnier does in like Blue Ruin and Green Room and stuff like that. Uh, and considering that it is a true story, I appreciate the refusal to shy away from the violence because that does leave some more impact just because like you're witnessing an interpretation of something that actually happened and i think that i found the the stabbing of the guy in the park and uh euronymous's murder at the end to probably be the most emotionally impactful scenes in the movie i thought the ultimately the it's a pretty low bar was handled really well, uh pretty well too Somewhat, yes. Euronymous finding him and going and getting the, the camera and taking the pictures like he notoriously did for their uh, their uh, album cover, um, I thought that was good. Uh, leading up to Death's, or to uh, Dead's suicide didn't do much for me. I was surprised, like, we have that scene of him, like, just, like, lying on the floor of his room and it's all, like, moody and kind of, like angsty a little bit and then i was not expecting that to be the scene where he kills himself like i was expecting there to be some more build up to that but it's just kind of like oh yep there there i mean it's I, 30 minutes into the movie and he just he just i like how unexpected it. it is you know you don't expect it and therefore it becomes more of a surprise in a lot of ways maybe i will say also the one of the things that really worked for me i don't know how you guys feel about it was the comedy of errors a lot of times in a lot of these scenes. I think of, like, the scene with Varg and Euronymous trying to burn the church and blow it oh, up with, with C4, Hell for yeah. example. No, no, no. I did, I did really like that because I, I love the, the juxtaposition between how they see themselves and how they actually are. I think yeah, that, that, yeah. Is, that that is really important um, because when you start like trying to look at them from their perspective, then you start idealizing them and they're not really characters to be idealized. Like you can, you can say what you want about their music. Like I, I love a lot of that, a lot of black metal stuff, like despite how, how shitty the people who made it are, but being able to see that these dudes are like total fucking losers and, i think is 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 important yeah well and a lot of the scenes that worked best for me were in that vein you know whether it was that scene or the interview with varg with the journalists with him yeah accidentally admitting stuff and mm -hmm. then taking pictures of him with his face uh shown basically or even uh fucking uh the opening with Euronymous at his his family's house. Oh, where, in like, the basement with his sister, yeah, his little sister watching them and being like, You suck. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought that stuff was good. I thought, you I know, thought that I, stuff was pretty I good. I love that too. juxtaposition. Yeah, well, I don't know if we have much more to say about this one. I think we can probably uh, just I, go ahead. Yeah, and I've pretty well encapsulated it. it. My my opinion is is do this as a mini series and um 
give the music some more of its due. Find find the proper balance between the music and the characters because they are in many ways one and the same. And I, I think the story can be told well. And all all I'll say is like if you are interested in the story, watch until the light takes us. The whole thing is on YouTube. It's a really, really fucking excellent documentary, and I think it tells the story so and and more so much better than this movie does. But you know, overall, it was okay. I didn't hate it. Two and a half out of uh, five for me. Yeah, um, all things considered, I would have given it a three if it wasn't for the the lack of music. It's gonna be uh, two and a half. Two and a half for me. <laughs> I do like some of the most of the stylization and stuff, but not. The, especially with the, the the gratuity, I think was was well done, and um, I think the actors all did a, did a fine job. It, it had several poignant moments, um, especially like with the interviewer and Varg, and Varg saying, you know, like, like how the Christians came and took our land and stuff. And so the, the interviewer's like, "Wait, so you're into like paganism, or you know, like you're you're like worshiping Odin?" And then he he, he starts talking about Satan. He's like, "Oh wait, no, so you're Satanists." Wait, so you're Nazis? What? What are you? <laughs> like, that they they don't actually have like a position. They're just trying I, to be dark and that's aesthetic. Very funny. That's a good point because like Varg Varg is very much like that in in real life. Like yeah. while he was in prison, he wrote like several books that were just like total nonsense, rambling mishmashes of paganism, uh, Satanism, and Nazism. Not was... so much Satanism. That was that was more of like an, an image, but Varg is very much into the paganism and white supremacy nonsense. Like, he's a total fucking chud. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a I, they did. I think they did do, uh, I will say, uh, to the movie's credit, is that the movie did a good job of making Varg Vikernes look like the chud he is. Yeah, he... Yeah. Some, some things were exaggerated about him in the movie, but yeah, he's... They do a good job making him yeah. seem like a complete antisocial loser. Yeah. Which he which he totally was and still is. And on that note, I will say I love that they got a Jewish actor to play him because real life Varg yes. hates that. He is so, so mad about that. Which and I excellent. think it's fucking hilarious. Yeah, love that. Love that. Well, I think unlike you guys, I like this movie quite a bit. Um, I think more of it worked than didn't work for me. I thought the relationship with between Euronymous and Varg was actually pretty well done. Varg being such an antisocial weirdo. I love the comedy. I love the juxtaposition. I almost wish there was more of that. Um, I think the story, while it's very abbreviated, still does a good job capturing a lot of key elements of it. And I think aesthetically, a lot of the times it works for me. I thought stylistically, in terms of cinematography and whatnot, it was quite well done, actually. Yeah, I'm going to give it a three and a half. It's definitely not a perfect movie, but it's a pretty solid biopic. Usually I have a pretty low bar for biopics, and this definitely exceeded my expectations. All right, well, that's a 2.8 out of 5 pods for The Lords of Chaos. And now... Let's transition into talking about your pick, Cleveland. Tell us a little bit about Greta. Do I have to? Broad strokes, bud. Okay, the broadest. Chloe Moritz, is that it? Chloe Moritz. Grace Moritz. Th- that Moritz, there we go. Yeah, uh, she's in it. She goes to New York. She finds a handbag. And she she finds the owner of it, and then the person manipulates the shit out of her poorly. 
And that's the movie. She's got a shitty roommate. Did, did I get it all? Did I hit all the points? Uh, okay. Well, like let's. And... We're, we're gonna we're gonna narrow it down a little bit because I think there's some. I think there's some more detail. I think there's some some funny things worth talking about. Oh, uh, sure. This movie was trash. God. Um, we saw trailers for it in theaters several months ago. And and it looked intriguing. and I remember thinking that it looked it looked pretty pretty decent. Like it looked yeah. like it looked like a like a fun like psychological thriller. Uh, stars Chloe Grace Moritz, like you said, uh, and the uh, the antagonist is played by uh isabelle Huppert, uh who is a excellent actress yeah she uh, um she's kind of a michelle haneke leading lady yeah she's no she's good um but uh, before you before you pause and say oh hey good bad movie Let, let's uh i don't want everything to be spoiled for me let me go watch it before before you worry about that I will say this is not for me. It was it was not a a so bad it's good. This is not a room or a troll. This is no, it's this not. This is a this is a a deafeningly like boring film. At we times. we did we did have rough. a lot of we did have I, a lot of laughs. I though. actually kind of had a lot of fun watching uh, this movie. It was it's not it, good. It's I, not good. I knew just to be too. worried when we were watching the opening credits, and I saw that this was a Neil Jordan film which I did not realize until we started watching it. And I went from curious to worried immediately. And I had no idea the ride that I was about to go on. This movie is so fucking stupid. It's unbelievably bad. It takes that kind of 90s x from hell kind of movie you know your your fatal attraction yeah it's a movie that's been done a million fucking times she finds the handbag on the train tracks down its owner meets this uh this sweet old french lady you know who claims to have lost her husband recently and like is widowed and you know just needs a friend and somebody to mother and up to that point i was like okay like it hasn't done anything to like make me like it yet, but it it hasn't been offensive. And then as soon as we realize that Greta is like an evil crazy lady, it goes to cartoonishly stupid. Yeah, immediately. Yeah, and immediately. I will say Isabelle Hubert does a pretty good job of making it. <sighs> fun over the top she, a lot of times she leans she leans into it uh, like the camp is the, it's the thing is like the put the, into overdrive the cast the cast is is pretty solid oh man like known faces like even for like small parts yeah, yeah it, uh the roommate found. is uh, is micah monroe yeah. from it follows and the guests and she's great uh, her character in this movie is sucks not, and not. like even the private detective is like frequent neil jordan collaborator steven ria um and her dad is a uh, confiore that's right. I haven't seen fucking Steven Rhea or Rhea in anything uh, since we fucking talked about fear.com.com oh, God. on our second oh, episode no. and his weird serial killer voice. You're right. Oh, um, but God, the script was so fucking stupid. The dialogue's rough. And while we're on it's that so point, bad. too, it's like we've got a film that's about primarily three women, and the whole thing is written and directed by men, which. 
doesn't have to be a problem. Like you can you can still do that. There there are plenty of like male writers who can write who can well, write I mean, anybody Neil... fine and it's whatever. But this is not that case. This is absolutely not that. I didn't find that specifically a problem. Oh, I found like, Neil, what Neil I found Jordan a problem has... is it's old people writing young people. Not yeah, very that's well. that's more of it. Because so. like Neil Jordan wrote and directed the Crying Game, which was like one of the most progressive films, like featuring a trans character played by a trans actor in like the early nineties. Like it was I. I hate that movie. I think it's really bad. Um, not because of its subject matter, but similarly because of bad script and uh, bad acting. So, like, Neil Neil Jordan is, like, somewhat of a progressive filmmaker, but it's more that his dialogue is just shitty and that he doesn't know how to make characters sound like real people. That's the problem. Yeah. No, that's 100% what it, it is. Didn't, it didn't feel like men writing for women. It just felt like a just like bad dialogue yeah. the one that really really stood out for me was there's a sequence where our hero and 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 stalker are are talking to each other and she chloe says something dumb along the lines of like you know my friend sam like i'm like gum. chewing gum chewing gum i, I tend, tend to, to stick, stick around, around. she says it like seriously and it's like it's like played up to be like a, a well, creative yeah, it's... line and i was like this is really bad dialogue this is rough and then the scene ends and it moves on and then it calls back to it multiple it times. It's a motif. Yeah, a, yeah. yeah, they try and play it up. Thank you. It's like a motif. Like, later on, like, the, the stalker, she's, like, chewing, the Greta's, like, chewing gum, and she, like, she's, you, you say you're, like, chewing gum and, like, spits it on her and some shit, and, like, they make it, like, they try to make it out to be, like, this horrifying yeah. moment that she remembered this dumb thing she said. The framing of it is just the writers, like, jacking themselves off, being like, oh, look how smart we are with this dumb fucking line. God, I was not pleased. Yeah, and the the whole way that uh, Chloe... I felt like I was being trolled. The whole, the whole reason that Chloe Grace Moritz found out that Greta was crazy is because she had her over for dinner, and she accidentally... Like the second time she meets her. Yeah, she accidentally uh, found a cabinet full of identical handbags to the but, one she but found. But doesn't stop there. She gets a little awkward about it and decides to, like, cut her off. But that's but, the thing. It's like she just finds it in an unlocked cabinet. Yeah, it was so weird that she left that and, shit unlocked and everything else about greta's character like portrays her as meticulous like she's got like a secret room and like she she like if she's like has all these like purses ordered and they're all the same purse with like names and addresses and they all on. have like copies if, of her id if she's them. that meticulous why isn't she locking those things away right. because it's not done as a ploy like she wasn't supposed to find those but they're just in a cabinet yeah. like and then later on, like, 45 minutes later into the film, they played up as a twist that she's captured more people. Yeah. Explain that. It, like, like, yeah. How is that a twist? We saw the purses with other names on them. We know that she does this. Like, why is she assumed that she's the first? They really play her up as genuinely surprised when she finds the purse. I'm yeah. sorry, I'm sounding it's, legitimately uh, mad about this. I need to calm down. It's a damn movie. This, but, yeah, damn. I mean, this script broke me about halfway in. I think the the scene that really made me uh, stop taking this movie seriously and just starting to laugh at everything was uh, there's a point where Isabel Hubert uh, starts talking 
where Chloe Grace Moretz uh, works. Oh yeah, and she just so stands. She stands mo- outside of the window, <laughs> motionless for hours, for like six hours. Oh my god, the scene where uh, <laughs> like it's so funny. Oh, it's, it's the scene where she's and it's got like the super sinister like creepy yeah, music yeah. playing over it, and they're just like looking out like over time and like she calls the cops and they're like we can't do anything that's the thing it's like her Greta shows up to Chloe Grace Moritz's work more than once causes a scene more than once and every time her co-workers act like she's being over dramatic about it everyone is the most blase about it she's like no I don't want to talk to her like I don't like call the cops get her out of here and they're just like Oh my god, you were being so dramatic. Like yeah. this like this woman has shown up to this restaurant 3 times now and and had to be dragged screaming through the restaurant. Like what the <laughs> Yeah. And like on top of that, so like dumb. they they do say call the cops, but I want to emphasize the cops are the most useless cops I have ever well, seen. And, and in also movies, like, like ever the, the the main character, like she she doesn't choose to even interact with the police until way too late. As soon as you find the purses, yeah, like you call the cops. You call the cops. Like that's what you do. And and I was just like, cool. Now she's gonna call the cops. We're gonna see how that works out. And she doesn't. Well, the thing is, is like. Every time she gets away from Greta, they have to keep finding, like, dumb shoehorned reasons to, like, get them back together. It's like so she, it's just she's, the worst advice like, that like she 30, takes every like time. Like, 30 minutes into the movie, she's like, this bitch is crazy. Like, I'm done. Like, I'm not going to answer any of her phone calls. Nothing. And then it's like, okay, cool. But she's, I gotta save the dog. Right. And then she's like, <laughs> yeah, she's like oh, I helped, I helped Greta adopt the dog. And now I'm worried about the dog. So she goes back to her house. It's like, That's uh, a legitimate character motive. Like, how the fuck are we supposed to, like, appreciate this character if she's, like, putting her life in danger like that? Can we talk about the scene when uh, Greta is stalking Micah Monroe and (laughs) she keeps sending Chloe Grace Moretz the pictures Uh, of her that she's taking on what we have seen multiple times is a Nokia brick phone, probably from, like, 2002. And she's sending... Chloe Grace Moritz, these HD, these like super high res, <laughs> crisp, like dynamically lit photos of her like following Micah Monroe, and that sequence she's, is so she's funny. on the phone with Micah Monroe. She's like she's following you, and she like whips around in an alley, and there's like nowhere to hide, yeah. and there's nothing. Yeah. Like there's, and then she turns around, and Chloe Grace Moritz immediately gets a picture from like three feet behind her. It's like, is Greta a ghost? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a teleporting <laughs> And the first stalker. time she it's sees great. her is when she gets on the bus. Oh my god. What, what I love about that is, well, on top of it just being hilariously inept, yeah. is that, like, she obviously knows what make, uh, Micah Monroe looks like. Yeah. And yet later in the movie... Uh... <gasps> okay, all right. Well, before we get into that, I do I do want to mention yeah. that at a certain point, I started calling everything with precision <laughs> accuracy. Yeah. Well, it started, it started there were, with there the were jokes. The there like, were jokes. The first time that uh, uh, Chloe goes to see Greta, um, you hear like a banging on the wall. And you and it's like put it be like oh it's the neighbors and she like shouts something at the neighbors or whatever and like 
I said later on in the film... We I, all at that point yeah. called that it was, oh, she has somebody else trapped in yeah, her walls. Yeah, but, but, none like, of us, but we were all like, that, that's too obvious. Like, yeah, none of that, us right? said it until like until none the movie started getting it. stupid. Like, we all thought it like when it when it was happening, but it was like, there's no way, it's not even worth bringing up because like the movie's well, not going to be that stupid. Like, will, it's not going to be that tropey. I, I will say, like, we did predict a lot... But we were intentionally predicting the dumbest things they yes, could do. Yes, that was the best part about you know? it. Is and every, they somehow did it. Or worse. The, the immediate defeat in your voice, like the first time it happened, Tease, was very funny to me. Because, like, wh- oh, which one was Okay, that? so it was when Greta Greta drugs and kidnaps Chloe Grace Moretz. We have this whole scene of her, like, getting her back to the, her house. She reveals this secret hidden room. And she locks her inside of, like, a chest. Like, yeah, a, toy like a toy chest. Box, yeah. Then Chloe Grace Moretz wakes up it's like oh she fell asleep on the couch uh she's going away to like on vacation with her dad so like there's that sense of relief i'm just i'm just tired i haven't been sleeping she wakes up and she's like getting in the elevator going down to meet her dad and i was like i was like oh wait no this is the dream she's gonna wake up in the box and i said that as a joke and then 30 seconds later, the walls of the elevator started closing in, yeah. and she woke up in the goddamn box. And you were just like, and you, the, the whole time it was happening, I just remember like, you shouting at the screen, being like, no, I didn't want you to actually do that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, I was kidding. Like, what are you doing? I was kidding. God, and uh, to, to go back to the police thing real quick and put a bow on that, like the sequence after like Greta like spits the gum in her hair and shit, to she, uh, Chloe goes back to the cops again, and and I remember like you just like you saying like, uh, well no the they cops... they're like they're like they're like so what did she do? And Micah Monroe was like she threw gum at her, and that's when I was like no she spit gum at her. Spitting at somebody is assault. You can aff- you can file assault charges for somebody spitting on you because you quote unquote you don't know what like if they have any pathogens or anything in their spit. So, you know, it's it I think it's kind of a dumb law, but like if they had said she spit gum into my hair, they could have totally gone and arrested Greta for assault. Yeah. They know where she lives. Mm-hmm. And it's like like she's gone to the police like why is she underplaying it as they she threw gum at me like she spat gum. Like, yeah. Like, 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 if you want to get rid of her, like, use those fucking loopholes. Like, use yeah. every technicality you can. Because, like, because the legal system like is not. It's what happened. Like, she, she basically lies by saying, like, she threw gum. Like, well, right. But her, that's the thing is, like, not the, to her benefit. The whole point is, like, that the legal system is really inept at handling situations like this, which it is. Sure. To, to that credit. Like, but not of, in this context. Not right, to but this it, extent. But that's, yeah. that's what I'm saying is, like, if you could use the loophole of, of calling being spit on an assault which you can to get this woman arrested and like taken care of use it use every technicality you can and they just like brush that dumb shit off so easily one thing i want to mention on top of that is a little later on in the movie this is kind of going off of the blase attitude of everyone towards greta you know after chloe grace moritz is uh kidnapped and put in the box greta steals her phone and starts texting micah monroe and, and her, her dad, dad yeah saying each of them is with you know yeah, the other she's, person she's on vacation with the other one yeah, yeah. Uh, the dad shows up at the apartment they oh, they yes. they realize that 
they're they're both being lied to. Right, and they know they both know about Greta because yeah. Cole Grace Moretz has told them both all about it. Yeah. And so instead of going, Oh, this is the stalker that She's kidnapped. kidnapped her. Yeah. yeah. They, Let's go to the cops. In, or even go directly to Greta. Right. They instead hire a private investigator. Instead, what? They, like, hire, like, they hire Steven Rhea to go be the worst private investigator. <laughs> like like it's the NYPD. Like, like they have a missing person, missing persons unit. Like, yeah, they're like, I well, know in better ways. I know who it's kidnapped not even her. an investigation. Like, yeah. No, it's, yeah, it's a kidnap. Yeah, like, you don't need investigations. Like, my daughter has been missing for she days. Has a, for days, she has a well-known stalker. We know where she lives. Can we go check that out? And instead, the dad goes and hires Stephen Rhea, a, a private investigator to privately investigate yeah what and he shows up to greta's house is invited in and is like yeah francis uh mick mick whatever what what's her face um yeah she's been missing for a while and um her her dad and her roommate uh think that you might have something to do with it. That's so I'm good. Just, let the let the kidnapper so on. So I'm the just case. here I'm just here to to look for her. Have you seen her at all? Like, oh my god, he's so fucking stupid. And then she like goes upstairs. Chloe Grace Moretz is like making noise in the hidden room. Like Stephen Rhea goes over to it, like he finds it behind the piano. And he opens the door, and again, I was like, oh, yeah, I bet Greta's going to come up behind him with a syringe or something. And then immediately, yeah. whoop, there she is, <laughs> and drugs him, and uh, then he shoots a lot and misses. And At the she, room. And then she shoots him. <laughs> the also, the one time where Chloe Grace Moritz escapes, uh, where she's making cookies with Greta, and she, like, cuts her finger off. I thought that was a fun scene. That was fun. fun. But then she goes and tries the front door, which is locked. But instead of shattering one of the windows that's next to the door, the full-sized windows, and going out, she runs down into the basement, the room of the house notoriously known for not having large windows or exits to the outside of the house. Yep. Like, she's next to large windows by the front door. She can't get the front door open. She could pick she's up, next to large she, windows. Yeah, and she instead, could pick she up runs the fucking into end the basement table. where yeah. there, there are tiny windows and tries to break the tiny ones. Let me run that by you again. That she, she could not she's fit out even next if she to broke. huge windows that she could just leap out of. They're on ground floor. Yeah. She could, just, she could just break them and walk out. But instead, she leaves the large windows. She leaves her means of escape, goes down to the basement, and then tries to break the tiny unbreakable ones. After that, it was really fun seeing uh, Greta use the syringe into her. Uh, oh, that was a cool effect! Finger. Yeah, when she sticks the syringe straight into the amputated finger, yeah. that was that was pretty. That was pretty cool. That was gross. Yeah, but uh, all right, let's let's talk about the final stupidity. Oh, yes, which I so, also called. So, like I said earlier, you know, she was stalking Micah Monroe. So, so later on in the movie. We get a scene where she's got her next victim, essentially. Yeah, and with the same trick. She left a, a purse on the train, and we see somebody pick it up. She's talking to Greta, and we don't know who the girl is. We you know? It's shot from, from the back of her head. Yeah, she has, like, black hair. And she's uh, doing it. She has an accent. She's like, oh, yeah, I'm from Texas. I'm here in New York trying to become a model. And as soon as she said that, I was like... 
I bet that's Micah Monroe in disguise. And then it was! And then it was! Uh, And then she pulls off the wig! And she drugs Greta, and she pulls off the wig, and then she and Chloe Grace Moritz lock her, lock Greta in the box. That's the end of the fucking movie. Ah, it's so It's so dumb. (laughs) It's so dumb. Like, the the fact that we could be continually calling the most ridiculous things and then that being what actually happens mm-hmm. that twist oh, and right before the credits roll uh the lock almost comes off the box but we don't know whether yeah it they, does they inceptioned not. it oh. the uh oh. the the micah monroe twist had me howling at the screen it was like, it was really I, stupid I it was dumb it was dumb yeah. funny just, that's I, the thing overall I with this like movie I, I thought this movie was very bad but it broke me about halfway through to the point where I found it fucking once, hilarious. Once I realized, once I realized that there was no way I could take it seriously anymore, I started having fun with it. But it's a dour, boring enough movie that I would not seek it out again. Yeah. Like it, it, just, it bums me out too, because like if you had taken the same premise and the same budget and all the same actors and had like competent like writers and directors and gave it to anybody but neil jordan anyone else <laughs> it, it could have been a great film like it could have had uh, oh yeah what was what was the whole what was the whole stupid uh like, motif manipulation is great what was the days. whole dumb motif about uh chloe grace moritz being too trusting of people in new york city because she comes from uh, a small town or something. Yeah, so that was so when, stupid. When she got the purse for the first time, Micah Monroe's like, "Yeah, in New York, we uh, call the bomb squad when we find a loose purse." <laughs> it's like, nah, some bum rummages through it for cash and then pees in it. You know, like that's what happens in New York. Yeah, I mean, I know like there's like the whole suspicious package thing, but like that's just such a weird way. To yeah, frame they it. they kept doing that, and like, and it's dumb too because. Ultimately, like, that kind of mentality won over because pure, trusting, naive Chloe Grace Moritz uh, keeps gets, gets herself kidnapped and does not save herself. She ends up being saved by, by tough, city-savvy, I-don't-give-a-fuck Micah Monroe. So, like, what kind of message is that to send hey, to I anyone? Mean- it's like... Fuck you for In fairness, anybody. Micah Monroe kind of partially caused it by giving her the advice to go back to Greta and like, oh yeah, gain no, acceptance she totally does. when she goes back to tell in the her church. that she's going on vacation and that uh, she'll t- call her when she gets back, but then doesn't. It's like, yeah, why don't you do that over text or something? Why yeah. don't you go see her in person? And after that is when she gets kidnapped. They leave the church. Chloe Grace Moritz rides her bike back to her, her apartment, and Greta is already there. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> and has amazing. already drugged drugged her food. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go ahead and rate this. I've said everything I need to say. This movie was really fucking stupid. Uh, it, one out of five. Same. I, I know it, it. Like it got dumb, funny at times. Like it did. Ha- it did get a rise out of us. 
Um, but and, it was it was the, largely I think the third time to say it for me. Like I felt like I, it got a rise out of me because I felt like I was being fucking trolled. It was like, I think I think it was largely because of our our group dynamic watching the movie. Right, we, we we made our own entertainment out of we, it. We we made the decision collectively to start having fun with it. Oh, I don't think I no, would have laughed at right. it I, if I had been I, sitting here by myself. Yeah, I, I said it. the same thing while we we're watching the movie. What was it? Um, like I don't I don't like having to laugh at a film because I have no other choice. Yeah. Like, I felt like I was being held hostage to have a good time with it being a stupid movie because, like, it was providing me with so little of anything. No, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. It's one star. Nah. Before going into this review, I was about to give it one star, too, but I'm going to actually push it up to a star and a half. Um, Ooh, just how, because, gen- <laughs> how generous. Just, just because this movie was very funny and, like, at times it felt almost showgirls-level camp especially with how over-the-top Isabelle Hubert gets. At times, she straight-up just plays her character from The Piano Teacher, which, which I, I find seen. weird. This movie is a fun late-night drunk movie for you and friends. Like, if you're ready to just have it break your brain and start laughing at it. Like, yeah, this is not maybe. a movie to go seriously by yourself into. Um, but go to enjoy it with a with a group. I, just, I don't know. Like, and I think you'll get more out of it. I think you'll get more out of it than than trying to approach it seriously. But there's there's so many good dumb movies to watch that I would I would recommend before this film. I would say yeah. I I think that there's that there's way better dumb fun movies to watch with your friends. What I will say on that note is that if you were ever put in a situation where you are watching this movie for whatever reason, make the choice to have fun with it. Well, and that's the thing, like, in terms of good, bad, dumb, fun movies this year, this might be my favorite of the the bad ones, you know? Like, there's been a few movies like that, like Hellboy, Glass... Oh no, really? No, I would, I would. Wa- I would rather watch Hellboy or Glass over over really? Greta yeah. again. Yeah, wow. Greta. Greta is pretty decisively at the bottom of my list of 2019 so far. Only Hellboy had so many stupid moments in it, and it it was pretty over the top. Like I would, I would prefer like that kind of stupid movie. Yeah, at least Hellboy had some fun stuff to I, look at. It was. I did a, not it was like a Hellboy. Bad, I didn't either. But like, I, I didn't like it. Um, so that's a, a an average of 1.2 out of 5 pods for Greta. And uh, now it's time to get into our third film, a film that is newly streaming on Netflix and that I have heard quite a lot of buzz around. Um, a lot of people saying that it was really good. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, Ben, tell us a little bit about The Perfection. All right. So The Perfection is about kind of a cello academy. It focuses on two cellists. One had to leave the lifestyle because her mother was sick and she had to take care of her. Her mother dies and after she dies, she goes back to join the academy there's a new prodigy. So it's kind of like the dynamics between the two. I don't know how far into the the plot we should get before we just dive deep into it. Yeah. Because this movie is a mess. It's kind of three movies in one. 
Yeah, this movie was a mess. Uh, I was really on board with it for like the first 20 minutes or so. Yeah, I think the first act is I I thought solid. I thought a lot of it was pretty yeah. solid. Like I was like, okay, I see this is interesting. I mean, we have we know, you know, very little at the beginning. We just know that this character uh Charlotte who's played by Allison Williams uh from Get Out she has not played cello in like a decade because she was taken with her mom and she's sort of like trying to return to the life. So she goes to like a uh, a contest or something in Shanghai that's held by the academy she was part of to try to find like new students. Uh, and she meets the, the prodigy who has taken her place. And like it's very weird, like it's kind of eerie. It's it's shot very starkly. There's this sort of like intensity to everybody's performance. Um, the score is very dissonant. Like it's it's creepy. I, I was really on board with that atmospherically. You know, even like very quickly, the two care like the two cellists like fall in love with each other and like there's the scene where it's like them performing a duet together and it's like intercut with like their sex scene which i thought was pretty well handled like sex scenes are usually very uh weird in movies i think but i thought for like the tone this one was done very well and um yeah looking back at it i feel a lot less comfortable about it like knowing the context of the rest of the film no, no but while Cle- I was watching Cleveland, it, I, I thought it was fine. It's supposed to be empowering. Girl boss. Because this it's... is the girl boss movie, honestly. <laughs> yeah, Cleveland, it's empowering because it's it's two women <laughs> sharing their sexuality with each other. It was kind of weird because don't doesn't China have, like, stricter LGBT laws? That's, I have no idea. Yeah. That's isn't stuff... isn't Shanghai the one city that's like technically that's Hong not, Kong that's Hong Kong technically not part yeah. of China yeah I, I I don't know that that didn't I didn't think too much about that then they you know they set up like the uh, Logan Browning's character uh, what's her face uh, Lizzie she's like uh, I'm taking my first vacation forever for two weeks you know I'm just gonna like travel around Asia you know really rough it like stay away from hotels and stuff, like, only take the bus. Like, do you want to come with me? So it's like, oh, this is going to be this, like, blossoming love story, but something, like, weird and sinister is going to come in between it. Um, they they set up these, like, sneaky little hints that something's awry. They both have the same, uh, like, eighth note tattoo on their back, like, really, mm-hmm. really tiny. Um, so it, like, sets up the intrigue really well, except for the the guy at the, <laughs> yep. at the rehearsal... <laughs> who just, like, throws up, like, orange yeah. vomit everywhere. And and the they sequence, just, too, like, is, like, it's all in passing. Like, the your two main yeah, characters they're, like, are taking an escalator by. down, like, and they, when they witness it first occur. And, yes, and they, they like, passively address that there's some sort of, like, mysterious disease. Well, yeah, in, like, let's, the let's get into the specific of how that's presented, because it's it's pretty weird. Like, they're, yeah. they're going down the, the escalator, and uh, a, a gentleman at the, at the, uh, at the ground floor uh, just, like, vomits yellow bile. And, uh, like, he looks like he's just suddenly, he's like... He's bleeding from his nose, yeah. too. He's like, he just yeah. suddenly is, like, very sickened. And one of the, the the girls says, like, oh, shit, like, is there, like, some sort of virus or something going on? And one person, very casually, like, to the side is like, oh, yeah, there's, like, a really bad, like, pathogen that's coming up from, like, you know, like, the, the southeast or whatever, like... It you know, transmits it's like, it's like, by air. Yeah, it's, like, airborne, you know, like, nothing to worry about. And, like, and then they just keep walking. 
Like that's the sequence. Yeah. It was so bizarre. Because, it's just it's like, so flatly if presented. Was an airborne pathogen, they would all be at risk, right. and like yeah. there would be chaos. No, they're likely. so fucking blasé. It's, about it's like it. how every zombie movie starts. You're just like, whoa, what, what? Well, like, right, and it comes out of nowhere too. Like, it, it, I think it helps that all three of us went into this movie knowing nothing about it, right? Yeah. Like, I, mm-hmm. I had heard Zero. that it was good and that it had something to do with cello players, but I knew literally nothing that. else. Yeah, I heard I, I the only Zero. thing I knew about it is there was a brutal school bus scene right let's let's get into that shall we yes because uh uh, like they they're starting to travel you know they they're getting on the bus uh lizzie keeps commenting that she doesn't feel well but they think it's just a hangover they get on this bus they start driving into rural china lizzie just starts getting like really really sick this is where the movie made me start to sort of like narrow my eyes at it yeah so on a lot of levels for this stuff i liked it but on the other level i think it was badly directed yeah it it turned you guys off a little bit sooner than it turned me off i was i was more on board for like the awkwardness of the sequence i felt deeply uncomfortable it was it was doing a really good job of making me very uncomfortable where it started to make me like sort of notice that it was trying that it was trying to make me uncomfortable is when Mm. Charlotte's like arguing with the bus driver being like stop like pull over my friend is sick and Lizzie just gets up and just like starts screaming like I'm gonna shit on the bus like I'm gonna shit my like (laughs) oh my god I can't I can't move if I move I'm gonna (laughs) shit all over this bus I'm I'm gonna shit on the bus I can't believe it it hurts so bad I'm gonna shit on this bus there's ways you can do that well but the thing is like the way it was shot just made it feel comical in a that, lot of yeah, ways. Yeah, that was that was at the point where, like, up to that point, I was uncomfortable, and I felt like I was uncomfortable in the way that I was supposed to be. Because, like, she's a good actress, and she, like, portrays very well that, like, she's suffering horribly, and, like, I was, I was on board with that. But then, just, like, having the repetition of, I'm gonna shit all over this bus, it's like, that's when I started to, like it take me out of it and be yeah. like, this well, is kind of, cool. and like, this is you, I funny. can see like, like from a writer's perspective, like the justification of that scene with what we know later, which I'm not going to give away yet, but like footnote on that for me, uh, I will, I will address that in a second when we get to some other things. But, well, I think what makes it rougher too is the cinematography of the whole sequence. Yeah. Like in general, this movie is very, it's very flat, flat yeah. very high key. Uh, I did look up the cinematographer, and it's the same guy who did Crazy Rich Asians, which kind of makes sense with how gaudy and bright everything is. I liked certain cinematography stylizations, but I I think that I wanted, I, I agree with you, I wanted more for atmosphere, especially in scenes like that where it's on the bus, where it is just, it's just so, so flat. Right. I this, didn't, this I didn't notice that. like a realism it. problem, like it, it doesn't know when to go like full on like wacky backy and when to and then when to play it for authenticity right and and i i feel like it it makes the wrong call like just about every time like whether uh especially like once we start moving into this part of the film and on it goes like whoa how weird fantasy is this and then you know other sequences it it tries to push for realism where it it more just sort of it's like writing it's it's like riding a bike down a hill it's like at the beginning it's it was a very like gentle downward slope until all of a sudden it was just like 
so steep the film just went wildly out of control yeah well like and at times i enjoyed that like i think it's it was too inconsistent yeah yeah well i think it's a fun idea to take the first 15 20 minutes of this movie make it seem like a very light kind of movie for the most part and then you get the school bus scene where it goes so dramatically wrong yeah i want to i think i want to get a little technical with the with that definition some and i think it's where our opinions differ a little bit and it's i well first of all i fully agree that this film goes off the rails and i agree with you ben that a film can go off the rails in a good way like i think your narrative can go haywire um, and it can be portrayed well. My, I think the thing that we all probably had a problem with is that it felt like the creators lost control. Oh, like yeah. they couldn't well, track it. Well, we'll get into that more on. because it, it goes way off the yeah, rails it goes later on. So, but what I meant, what I meant by that is in terms of the brutality, it emphasizes ah, that yeah. so much more uh, because random people on Netflix are just going to see this and watch the beginning and be like, "Oh, this is a light, relatively tame, you know, romantic." Yeah. Uh, or think that drama. it's that it's that it's more like psychological. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then or they're like they're in for like a black swan. Then or you, something. yeah. Then you get you know her puking out maggots on the bus, right? Which I I thought was pretty thought good. Was pretty. I liked pretty that. Good. So they get her off the bus. She shits. The guy like washes down the bus. They get. Uh, he, the, we should mention that he washes the 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 stairs of the bus, but he has this big canister of water that looks like it looks a, like gasoline. Yeah, and we, we all thought we all thought he was about to set the did, bus man. on fire. Yeah, because he sh- because she shit all over <laughs> it. Burn it down. Walk it down. No, uh, yeah. So. She they, she gets back on the bus and uh, she vomits the same yellow bile that the gentleman like off the escalator vomits. Like she vomits like yellow bile all over the windows. And then our main character points out to her that, oh, my God, look at your vomit. It has bugs in it. And she looks closely and like we see these like hideous maggots crawling in the vomit. And it's pretty it's pretty disturbing. And I was. I was a little confused at this point because, like, oh, is this like a pathogen movie now? Like, yeah, that's are they what actually I was playing thinking. That up? That's like, what I thought it was turning like, into. That's, that's a really like short time period for like insects to like form and so like that's that's but, really interesting. Hey, like, what's I, going on? But I'm on board. It's wacky and weird. Let's let's. I let's found do this. that super interesting. Yeah, yeah so I, I did too. Like, I, did like, too I, was, I was there I, for it. Little, so I was like, weird, but like I'm there. Yeah, and then you know they they kick her off the bus. They kick them off the bus eventually. Then we get some really bad CG where we see like bugs crawling in her arm and they like burst out of her skin and stuff yeah it's bad it looks it looks bad and then all of a sudden charlotte's like they're in your hand you know what you have to do and she just holds up this massive (laughs) (laughs) it's a really awkward shot too during the sequence with the bugs in her arm where we get like a stationary pov uh looking from uh sophie is it sophie is she the lizzie lizzie lizzie's eyes like with her hand up in the frame like with her arm going all swinging. Well, there's there's a lot then, of like what's her face like in the background looking at her, and it's just like I I that shot is always bad. There, like uh, it, like it's it's like the in the action movies where that, the hand the, comes uh, up in the foreground with the gun. Like it's it's a rough shot. The, it's not good cinematography. The shots of the bugs crawling under her skin reminded me of that mid two thousands movie, The Ruins. 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. CG or like the original Mummy with Brendan Fraser. Yeah, yeah. When the 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 Mummy has like scarab beetles Uh like under his skin, it was that. Yeah, it it was it was of similar CG quality too. Like it wasn't good, and so all of a sudden Charlotte has this this uh, massive cleaver, and Lizzie starts cutting her hand off with it, and it does a freeze frame. And then a rewind, complete with complete with rewind sound, back to them in the hotel room. Now, now keep in mind, this isn't played up like on like VHS tape or anything else like that. This is a this is we've already said a high key, high resolution, obviously budgeted shot on digital digital yeah. film, and it it does this like this hokey like rewind thing where just it reverses the footage and like the vhs like rewind sound plays it's really it's laughably bad it is hokey as fuck that can work in some movies sure if it's more intentionally done i think like funny games for example yeah Yeah, or like even like an early guy Ritchie film like i can i can be forgiving of that kind of stuff like that's that's fine but in this context it feels feels like a retcon it feels so goofy yeah they they reveal then that uh that charlotte drugged her with her mother's medication after they when they woke up told her that it was ibuprofen and that the side effects of the medication are like nausea, itching, uh, Hallucination. hallucinations. It so specifically says don't take with alcohol. Don't take with alcohol. She shows that she's chasing the pills with... Uh, A with, little hair of the dog, with, as they yeah, say. Yeah, hair of the dog. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, for me, that deflated the tension of the entire scene. Like, I get what they were trying to do, but everything I liked about the school bus stuff was just, like, totally deflated by that moment. Well, and on top of that, like, the original stuff with the bugs, you know, yeah. like, besides the cleaver stuff, because the, the it's, bad CG, it's hard to yeah. follow that. Yeah. But it almost felt hostile-esque in a way. A bit, yeah. And, like, things going horribly wrong. Yeah, in totally. this remote nowhere part of the and also for for this to happen like less than halfway through the movie with like the rewind gag and everything like if anything it felt like a bad twist at the end of the movie but to be not even midway through and they're already like doing that subversion of expectation it felt unearned undeserved and really cheap and and corny yeah, and it, so also, I want to point out to a huge plot hole that I thought about later on, which is that the gentleman they meet the night before on the escalator who who sickens has the same color bile, and that that whole sequence is a red herring. Like, it is it is played up with no relevancy. Right. Because so she's was... sick, she's, she's made ill by the medicine, but their bile is the same color, and that bothers the shit out of so me. So what, like, yeah, like, was he actually, because, like, that, is there actually, like, a weird pathogen in this, in China? Right, because like, that's not that an organic dude? sleight of hand, that's the director, like, like, and, and the writers, like, playing, and, like, 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 like playing it up. And it, you know, and, it, and it breaks the framing for me. And it's like, a complete, it's, it's a complete it, red it's herring. It's a cheap yeah. misdirection. Yeah, exactly. Um, totally. I, I didn't mind it too much just because it helped with that section. The problem is they retcon it and turn it into a completely different movie. Right. Where like the, the bug stuff really felt like it was going survival horror with it. Right. Where, and then it just reverses all of that and it turns into 
kind of a revenge thriller, like yeah. a Korean Which, revenge yeah, thriller. Yeah, it, it deflates almost. all the tension. Right. Yeah, let's let's get into that a little bit because this is it's really fine. this is really where the movie goes wildly off the rails. So we yeah. jump forward in time. We jump forward like 3 weeks. They're back in the United States. We see Lizzie at the academy like talking to the the like headmaster or whatever who I will refer to from this point on as dollar store uh Gary Oldman. <laughs> Uh, Love it because that's what he looks yeah. like. Yeah. Um, uh, so, Discount Gary. She so shows dollar, up yeah, she shows up one arm. Yeah, she her hand is has been uh, amputated. She uh, is you know begging to be able to stay and be a teacher or something. She has no other life. Like why would this crazy bit like she was so jealous of me that she took my hand so like she thinks that i stole her life so she stole mine so it makes it out to be like okay charlotte is now this villain and then all of a sudden lizzie goes like full revenge thriller on her and like breaks into her house with a taser kidnaps her and takes her back to the academy yeah and then they just they just softball in this whole other plot that's like the apparently the whole point of the movie about the academy being like an Ivy League rape dungeon and child sex child cult. sex cult and that they they're like brainwashed into seeking quote unquote the perfection in their performance and that uh if they perform in this like chapel uh below the this academy like acoustically perfect room uh that if they miss a single note or or play sharp or flat they have to pay the price which li- which is just being raped by uh dollar store Gary Oldman and his two silent uh silent flunkies theus and jeffrey i remember this because they are addressed by name many times and always together never individually they're always mentioned as theus and jeffrey and addressed as theus and jeffrey so i fucking remember theus and jeffrey and the fucking the whole point was that Charlotte was trying to save Lizzie from this because she recognized that she had the same tattoo by doing the things that we we have right. previously she, and explained. she said the the only that's way how she tried to save her. She knew that she would never leave on her own because she was so brainwashed. So the only way to to do it was to convince her to chop off her hand. So it's like they're flip-flopping between, like, who is supposed to be the villain. (laughs) Like, suddenly Charlotte's the villain, and then no, she's actually the good guy. We should also mention that. I can be quite into that, and I think that you can do that in a very feminist way to portray, like, your female character as a villain and then to subvert that expectation and make you realize, like, no, she's actually, like... You know, like, uh, I was I was perceiving her through, like, a male gaze, and she's actually, like, trying to do the right thing here. And, you know, I was I was reading the room wrong. Like, there's a there's a cool lesson to be learned there. This film does not do that. And it, it's really fucking... Well, right, we done. should also mention that the arm she got chopped off was her bow arm. Yeah. And, like, 
she could have still in many ways played. So her plan was not foolproof whatsoever. Well, it was just so that she could perfectly really play. Which really pokes holes into... Yeah, I, I don't mean, think I, that really, like, pokes so many holes because, like, it's she couldn't perfectly play. She couldn't achieve the perfection. God, that makes me sick it, saying yeah, that. Yeah, like, I, I, I did, I did like, bring that up yeah. when we were watching the movie. It gained some context a little bit later with the whole idea of achieving the perfection. But, like, what's so frustrating is that, like, they straight up portray Charlotte as, like, this crazy, maniacal, jealous character. Like, even in the flashback, they have her, like, grinning sinisterly when she's doing things. She's the villain, and then we're like, okay, Lizzie's the hero, she's gonna get her revenge. Then... Lizzie kidnaps Charlotte and takes her back, and it's like, oh no, Charlotte was actually trying to save Lizzie, and now Lizzie is a brainwashed cultist. And then they flip it again when Theus and Jeffrey, uh, my boys Theus and Jeffrey, uh, my my two strong sons, Theus and Jeffrey, um, <laughs> when when they're about to rape Charlotte again, they like drink, they finish their drinks, and then. Dun dun! Surprise! They were poisoned by Lizzie, and then they do the fucking rewind thing again, again. back to them, like her kidnapping her and being like, "I should hate you for what you done, what you've done, <laughs> what you done. I hate you for what you done, uh, but I I realized that you were doing. It. I know that you were doing it to save me." And then it fast forwards even farther back to her cutting off her hand her again. Rewinds, yeah. And, uh, yeah, sorry, rewinds. Did I say fast forwards? Yeah. Um, oops, boops. Uh, it it's okay, re- you're still getting less mixed up than the movie did. It rewinds again back to when she was cutting off her hand, and we get Lizzie or uh, Charlotte explaining to her at that time why she did what she did. And she gives this whole, like, what's supposed to be, I think, very, like, heartfelt, poignant speech. And she's talking about, like, what they did to us was abuse. It wasn't in the pursuit of perfection. It was just rape. When when, her, like, when when she literally just committed abuse herself, right? And also like 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 like, con- like drugging someone and convincing someone to chop one of their limbs off is is beyond abusive. And also like, like who is like what? So the the film is utilizing abuse to justify abuse, which is extremely problematic. And who is arguing that? What what we have witnessed thus far was not just rape. Like they're presenting that scene. Like she's telling like to the audience, like it's just like, it's not, it's not paying the price for your mistakes. It's just rape. it's like, yeah, like we get that. We definitely get that. Like, like it's, like it's funny too because they kind of play up the dollar store Gary Oldman as kind of J.K. Simmons from Whiplash. Yeah, and like a, like he a needs a Bond yeah. villain. Well, yeah, he gets harsh when she she misses a note, and then it just goes full on rapist. Oh my into god! It. Yeah, it goes like, it goes so off the deep end, you yeah, know, it, just like immediately. And it's, and it's all it's so played scuzzy, up with, yeah. with it's scuzzy, and it's played up with with very trite dialogue that is that could have been delivered from Goldfinger or some shit like it's it's such Bond villain like yeah. 70s Roger Moore nonsense and no it really and is. It, it had me just livid because you're 
you're just at this point, like you're you've put us in a complete fantasy context. And and so you're not making any poignant messages about it. You're just utilizing it for glorification. And it's it pisses me off. It's yeah, it's it's fucking weird and gross and and feels like it's it's like an exploitation. Of, it absolutely of, is. Of like the uh, of like a female empowerment story or like there have been there are so, so many like rape, rape revenge, rape, revenge films like it's a whole subgenre. Yeah, yeah. They're largely and, directed by men. They're all really male fucking gazy and shit. And like, I mean, there's some, there's some, like, there's a, there's a number that are, that there, are quite, there's and, a, there's I, I quite say, a handful that are yeah, directed by women and that are also like well done, like uncomfortable, but, but you know, like well done films. And this one, this one just feels like really exploitive, especially cause like this will, this will get us into the end. So we my, can, my point of my diatribe was just that this film belongs with those. Yes. As far as yeah, I'm concerned. Totally. Totally. Um, um, but no, there, there are plenty of, of films that do my, this, this subject matter very correctly and right, and I, I fully agree with you. One of my many big problems is, like, after this, you, when, you know, uh, Lizzie frees uh, Charlotte, and it's like, okay, now we're going to, like, get the rev- like the revenge. Like, they're going to, you know, they're going to wreak their vengeance on, on Dollar Store Gary Oldman. Um, oh, my I'm, God. It, it, it's gonna, I groan it, so hard when... Uh, they come up the stairs, blasting hip hop, both yes. wearing like hoodies. Yeah, and and uh, Charlotte oh, takes so her cringy. wig off to reveal uh, her like buzzed head. From and it's when for she's no mental. reason. It's done with like an instrumental sting and everything. Like yeah. it's it's in it's slow motion, really overbanked. in slow oh, motion, and they have the same cleaver. And it's like, oh shit, yeah. she's wearing a wig. And it's like, th- this is this is like a you're, you're, why you're treating this as a subversion. She, yeah, she. She doesn't have to hide anymore like it's so I, I you know before that i was at least expecting okay maybe we'll get like some fun gory like revenge where we get to see this scumbag get his comeuppance yeah but what it ended up being is they come into that room it's supposed to be like all empowering but it's super over the top she pulls off the wig in slow motion they go to attack dollar store gary oldman and they get their absolute shit handed well and that's the yeah thing, they the fumble it. it's shot too it's like very angst almost with yeah, like a uh, like a like a, a body rig body rig. facing uh facing uh charlotte's face so we don't see that because the viewer responsible and so they need to be stabbed. right it's like she's attacking the viewer but she's like getting beaten and like blood is splashing on her from like lizzie and like we see like also very badly done. We see Dollar Store Gary Oldman's arms come from off the side of the rig and start choking her when realistically they should be around yeah. the rig. So it looks like she's looking into his eye. It, it's dumb. Thanks. But it's like, yeah. And then, you know, they finally like wrestle him onto right. the ground. And there's the fumbling for the knife bullshit. He gets the knife and horribly, horribly maims charlotte's arm like drives the knife like she blocks the stab with her arm and he just like wrenches it down her like it's it's so so gratuitously graphic mm-hmm. and, and gratuitous like in the traditional sense and like, it's we overdone. don't get any punishment to in him. the same way for him no yeah. they after that like they get him like, onto the floor and we see 
we, don't we see it. off camera Lizzie clubbing him with a fire poker, but we're not seeing any of the blows. We're not getting any of the catharsis of this abuser, like getting his comeuppance. Instead, we're only seeing the violence the, against women, the violence that's being done Fucking unto. Cheers. Yeah, yeah, like right. And, and then, then, like, I, you know, like the thing that really pisses me off about this movie too is that it's putting me. In a position, like, where I have to come across, like, all, like, fucking high horsey and white nighty. Like, please, get some other opinions. Get some that aren't, like, a fucking straight white dude. Like, like it's it's fine. It's totally. whatever. No, but... Like, like that's that's <laughs> cool. I'm not, I'm not saying my opinion's the opinion. It's just that these are the ways it pissed me off, personally. Well, it's the way it's shot, too, you know? It's it's the, the fact that they don't have that catharsis yeah. against him. And, like... After that, we do get, you know, a sequence where they go back to the basement. He has all his limbs cut off. And his eyes sewn shut and, and his mouth, and he's hooked up to a uh, an IV. Yeah, to keep him alive. And they're performing for him. And that is my biggest they, problem on they, top of that. They nope. each have one ruined arm, but it's the opposite one. So they're both sitting with one cello uh charlotte is is bowing and lizzie is is doing the fret the fretting Fingering, yeah and it's like okay i get it like i i get what you're trying to say like that's supposed to be empowering too like they can both still achieve perfection together rather than alone yeah. but on like their own terms. on their own but why are they performing, performing for him for their abuser yeah. despite the fact that they've maimed him why are they performing right. for their abuser like, yeah he's he's been fully amputated he's had his eyes and mouth sewn shut so but his ears remain fine and he's sitting in the chair and and then they're playing for him and, like, quote, achieving the perfection. And it pisses me off so much because, well, like, his entire goal, like, to, again, a Bond villain degree was achieving the perfection above all else. And it's how he justified, like, rape. It's how he justified, like, all of his horrible acts. And so at the end of the day, the girls are still giving him exactly what he wants. Fucking why? Yeah, exactly. I like, it's that. that ideology that, like, the ultimate proving him wrong is performing For well and, yeah. and achieving the perfection on their own terms. But would, no, the ultimate revenge is fucking killing yeah, that dude. Is, like, yeah, like, is, why does he get to hear it? A- amputate, like, amputate all of his limbs and throw him naked into the snow yeah. or something. And then play yeah. the perfection throw, for each other. Or, yeah, or, yeah, and then like, achieve this, the, the movie yeah. could have ended the same way just with him not there. And yeah, it like, been fine. Have, it, have it end with them, like, in a sunlit apartment together or something. Like, they're each one-armed, you know, but, like, they're together, they're happy, and that they're achieve and they're playing and they're practicing and they're achie- they've achieved the perfection together. That would be more poignant, I think. Absolutely. Where it's like they have... Well, so, like, it doesn't... Because like, they, they should be playing at the end of the film because it lets them rise above. It right, they're in it, but, but it's still it But it still feels like that at that point they're achieving the perfection out of revenge rather than doing it for their, like, being good for their own sense of accomplishment. Right. But even then, like, they're you not know, doing that for revenge. Like, he, all he ever wanted was the perfection. Right, like, yeah. Like, like, by any means, and that's still a means. So why is this punishment for him? If anything, what it feels like it's supposed to say is like, no matter what, you can't break us. But by having them playing for him at the end, it feels like they ab- he absolutely well, has which, broken Which them. is disgusting yeah. because yeah. it fucking just, it, 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 it makes an attempt at justifying his actions. Because even so, they're not able to break the shackles that he right. like forcibly put on them 
because even after they take their revenge, they're still fucking there in his fucking academy playing for him. Like it's it's gross. Yeah, and, like yeah. I, I earlier I jokingly said this is girl boss the movie, but in a lot of ways it takes that female empowerment type of thing but does it so wrong. Right. Like it emphasizes all the wrong points, you know, yeah, with like absolutely them trying to take empowerment, but ultimately well, it's, failing it's in ultimate, a lot of ways. It's ultimately still a man's idea of female empowerment, yeah, and it's and it's missing the point. Yeah. And I re- and I realize that we are three men sitting here saying like, "Oh, uh, it would have been more empowering if you did it this way," but it's like, like Cleveland said, take what you want out of it. Picture it how you do, but like to me, it felt yeah. like. I mean, I'm, you're here listening yeah, to us, it, so it, it felt like <laughs> I mean, you're already here. Like it, so. it felt, it felt like it felt like uh, like a male in- interpretation of female empowerment. Yeah, Ultimately, and I did, I did look it up after point, yeah. you know because I was I was already sort of like on that 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 internal dialogue after watching Greta and asked myself like, oh, you know, like who worked on this film. And it was, you know, of course, directed by a man. And then also um, the the writers, there was there were three writers who worked on this film. Two of them were men. And then two one of them, and a woman, yeah. one of them was a writer who worked on uh, Supernatural, which isn't exactly known for its, uh, <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, anything in particular. Supernatural is pretty well written, actually. Um, I found that, you know, like an interesting tidbit. It kind of goes a little bit deeper into my point, which, you know, I was, you know, I've been kind of stewing over a little bit. And, and that's like, it doesn't necessarily matter whether or not the film was written by like men or women. Like you can, you can still write the film consciously and well, but in this specific case, it didn't but help. Also, it does like, not help at all. No. Like, and, and I mean, there, God. there is like... I, I think the the critique has been in Hollywood for a while that like you shouldn't try to tell stories from perspectives that you don't have some level of ex- degree or, or experience with. You know, it's why Jordan Peele has said many times that he's never going to make a film with a white dude protagonist because he said, "I've seen that. I've seen that movie." Yeah. And, and I, like, and that subject like, material doesn't interest him. You, and fine. it's and it's it's weird when you ta- when you have like a, a white male filmmaker trying to make a film about like an inherently black experience like it's it's the same it's it's the same kind of thing here can be done just the trick is like you have to be like super self-aware about it yeah and you have to like bring on people who have had that experience and not try to not try to act collectively on that yeah like like for instance like one of the the latest like dragon age video games they have like a trans character and they reached out to the trans community and like got feedback on that to make sure that they were representing that character properly there are ways to do that yeah. Like, like from that perspective, but this this film is well, and I I think part of it comes down to just having a well written script as well. Like, very very true. Yeah, like you can would, get away with a lot more not having that personal experience if the script is good. I would I would honestly very much like, like nothing would save this movie from being a jumbled mess yeah, in its current state. I, I would I would very much like to talk to a, a woman who has seen this film, and despite the fact that narratively it is a, a complete jumbled mess. I would be very curious to have the female perspective and see how the the quote-unquote message of the film is interpreted. So I looked up how this film has been doing critically. The, the impression I got from it is that this movie has been very polarizing. Critically, it has not been as enjoyed as it is, like, largely, like, publicly, which doesn't surprise me very much. It starts to, like, lean into the concepts of abuse, but it's the, the, the depth of it is very artificial, 
So I can see like a lot of people like seeing it as a deep film. Yeah, it's not um, that deep, fam. But like criti- <laughs> but uh, critically, like it has received a lot of the same feedback on it that we've that we've given like this podcast as well. There's been a variety of opinions, but it's a very it's a very critically polarizing film. And so if you go to look up critiques of it, you should find people who are progressive who agree with what we say, and people who are who are progressive who disagree with what we say. And uh, I I'm I'm curious to read more of those reviews myself as well, and to get like a more collective opinion on it because it's it's the kind of film that I think would like justifies that rabbit hole. I think stylistically, I made this comparison during the movie, but I think it's very apt in that. It's kind of a Yorgos Lanthimos type of killing of a sacred deer mixed with a lifetime original movie. Oh, yeah, I love that comparison. It's a lot of really flat absurdity and brutality a lot of times, but it handles it in such a fake, woke, melodramatic type of yes. lifetime original type of way. Totally. Um, totally. And because of that, it kind of falls on its face. In some respects as well, it also reminds me of Korean revenge flicks. A little bit, yeah. Um, you know, in how over the top the escalation can get. I think the problem with it in this one is it goes woke with it. And because the wokeness of it isn't well formed, it falls on its face. Well, that's the thing. It feels it feels performatively woke because it it is like trying to shove in your face that idea that like this is supposed to be empowering. Feel empowered by this. And it's like you're you're really missing the point. It's it's that same performative wokeness that you see all over the internet yeah people are like just looking for an excuse to be outraged about something you're not gonna shock anyone by saying rape is wrong no you know you're you're undermining your point when all the brutality of your movie is is directed against the women yeah yeah, and that there is never any sort of reversal of that like if you're trying to make like a really bleak film that's not supposed to be about empowerment but supposed to like draw attention to that kind of thing, then that's one thing. But if you're going to try to turn it into a revenge flick, like don't just show the violence against, against your female characters. On that note, I have what I think is a perfect comparative. If you want to watch a film that actually hits all the points properly, check out Audition. I've been thinking about that film in relation to this one and how the films try to tell ex- very similar stories very similar stories and like and hit all the same motifs about sexism like in the music industry and like achieving like fame is is it a a korean film Uh, auditions japanese uh, auditions japanese Japanese. takashi mckay um we've covered on the podcast a while back but it was on our fourth episode that was your first guest episode you're right yeah yeah torture porn I strongly recommend that film. Audition's if you're if you're great, looking yeah. for that kind of gratuity yeah. that actually ends with like a like a legitimately progressive message, that film is perfect for it. It it does it hits so many of the same points and uh and again it's about a musician who was abused. It actually approaches that subject matter properly. I think we've about pretty well covered yeah. this. Yeah, this I don't mess. want to talk about it anymore. Um <laughs> I I yeah, I will close out for me by saying it was a much more interesting watch than Greta 
it's still a really bad movie and frustrating in in ways that even Greta was not. I, I would say it's a slightly better film, not very much. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a very lukewarm one and a half pods for me. I honestly was a little more frustrated with this movie than I was with Greta. Because unlike Greta, this one had more potential. Yeah, But totally. this one was, like I said before, it was three movies chunked into one. It didn't know what it wanted to be. It It's a Lanthimos fucking Lifetime original in the worst Lifetime combination. Lanthimos. Yeah, Yeah, this is a two out of five for me. It's a one. Fuck this movie. Uh, okay, yeah, that's uh, an average of one and a half out of five for The Perfection. I would be legitimately curious to hear some defenses of this movie. Same. So if if you have one, um, by all means, hit us up on Twitter or send us an email uh, at podpeoplepod at gmail.com. Like, I, I'm earnestly very curious. Like, I'm not looking to start an argument by any means. I want to know what other people think of this. And um, as, as angry as I've been about this movie, too, like, I I want to make it clear that I, I feel the same way. I am trying to be self-aware about like, that I'm, and recognize that, like, I, I, I could very well be I'm wrong. open to and, defenses of it. Like, I think it's going to be yeah. pretty hard to sway me, but, like, I... I'm I'm open to like at least hearing the ideas. Well, we've we've pretty much wrapped up the first half of 2019. There's a few stray movies that have fallen through the cracks, but none that I'm particularly keen on catching. Uh, we managed to do this episode without watching The Curse of La Llorona, boys. Praise um, be. Oh God, I, that wasn't going to happen. So uh, we <laughs> we at least didn't watch that. However, all of these movies were not very good. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in my opinion, uh, Lords of Chaos was the best, but yeah. still, yeah. Uh, before we, before we sign off, let's take a look at the word from our sponsor this week. Huh, Cleve? Yeah. Um, uh, this is, this is from, uh, uh, uh take, take a second and, and chill the fuck out. If you're, you're mad about a movie, uh, just remember that it's a movie. This is a, this is a PSA this week brought, brought to you by the, the organization that just, uh, wants you to chill the fuck out a little bit. And, uh, it's a long acronym, I can't remember what it is. But, uh, yeah, if you're ever, like, mad about a movie, just, just remember it's a goddamn movie and you should chill the fuck out. Uh, yeah. It's a good sponsor, because I have to remind myself of that sometimes. Often. It's just a movie, it's just a movie, and I need to chill the fuck out. Uh, it's, a. Uh, the, the, the tagline that it once we read is uh, it's only game why you have to be mad <laughs> it's only game uh, I mean at least I can say happily that uh, I got through our discussion of the perfection without having an aneurysm uh, um, I wish I could say the same so <laughs> and it does, look like, it does look like you have a little blood coming out of your nose mm. um, well that'll do it for us this week uh, next week, uh, I'm actually gonna leave that as a surprise. It's gonna be a good one. Uh, we, we have a, a big, big ol' surprise for next week's episode. Stay tuned for that. Can't wait. Um, if you like the show, why don't you help us achieve the perfection and, uh, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and leave a nice review. We currently have an average rating of five stars, so the more fives we get the more perfection we become. Mm-hmm. Uh, so help us out with that. We we love and appreciate you. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod. 
like let us know what you thought of the perfection and other stuff um hit us up our dms are open you can also uh follow our letterboxd account at letterboxd.com slash pod people pod where you will find a list of all of the films that we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and the links to those episodes and i think we have do we have a list of our golden pods as that grows on the uh, i believe we do yeah yeah it cool. should be on there yeah, that that list is is a solid uh, four or five movies growing, on growing there. Uh, little by little. We just added David Cronenberg's The Fly to it last mm-hmm. week. Uh, so if you haven't heard that episode, go back and check that That's out. That's a good one. Um, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Van Awesome. I'm at Mr. Sheets, and I'm tweeting for uh, Light Arc Studio for It Stares Back. Now available on Steam. Third. Get it while it's hot. It's a cool six American dollars right now, uh, but it won't be there forever. Hey, so. and uh, by the time this is out, uh, you can also pick up the soundtrack uh, to the prologue Hell yeah. at EdenByNostalgia.bandcamp.com. Uh, I'll put the link as well as the Steam link in our show notes. Also, that'll be streaming on all major streaming services, correct? Yes. Uh, you can check it out on Spotify, on Apple Music, on Tidal, on Deezer, on no Google ma- Play. Deezer's nuts. <laughs> ah! No matter what obscure streaming service you use, you can listen to Ben's fantastic score for the prologue of It Stares Back. Oh, yeah. So check that out. Uh, I think that wraps everything up, covers all of our bases, checks all of the boxes. I believe it does. And... Uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna sign off and go relax and not be so mad at movies. I suggest you do the same. Please. Happy mid twenty nineteen, everybody. Yay!